0: damn right hope everybody's having a great thursday it is not just any thursday around these parts and certainly on any show i'm in a part of you know i'm all about the birthdays i love a good birthday and today we have maybe the most special birthday there is not often do you celebrate 187 but today it's 187 it's proud it's big you can drive all the way across it Actually, you can't in a day, depending on where you start from. You can drive all day and all night, and you'd still be in it. Texas is 187 years old today. Happy birthday to the great state. We'll be celebrating that today. I am Chad Hastings, born and raised in Waxahachie, Texas. I am joined once again by Isaiah Collier, born and raised right here in Austin. What's That's up, right. Zach? Shout out to
1: all my Austin Knights, the OGs that are still here. Very few of us, very proud to still be here, might not ever leave, damn it.
0: (laughs) Just stick around. Just stick around. It's that beautiful. It is a nice area. How you doing, Chad? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, It is definitely a a nice area to be in, although there is some rain coming, there's some thunderstorms coming, and uh, maybe some tornadic activity, depending on your area. Double check your weather, double check your apps, double check your things that need to be tied down. Plants and pets and all that stuff at the house this evening. Uh, we may be getting a batch of, uh, of that kind of stuff, depending on where you are. Uh, it is also uh, a special day in football today because it's Combine Day 1. That will involve three Longhorns and some big, big names, including the biggest name this week in the Combine, Jalen Carter. We'll get to all of that, but we also need to get to what happened last night in football. Uh, Fort Worth as the Longhorns had a chance to at least give themselves a shot at a share of a conference championship. They ended up not getting that done. It ends up close. TCU uh, gets by Texas 75-73. Zay, this was a strange game. It, it Through the first half, I would have told you Texas didn't have a shot. It just felt like they were going to it just didn't feel like they had the edge to, to get it done. But then that second half, there were little runs, there were little moments, and I kept thinking, well, you know what? They're right there. They're right there. They just need a couple things to happen consecutively. And it just didn't feel like they could get two good things to happen back-to-back down the stretch. What you uh, what'd you make of it last night? Disappointing.
1: Very disappointing, you know. You knew it was at stake with Kansas winning on Tuesday night to beating Texas Tech and at that time being co-Big 12 champs. And you knew Texas, they still controlled their own destiny going into last night. And, man, they started off bad. You knew just – you could just tell the feel of how a game's going to go when right from tip, Dylan Mitchell tips it to Dylan DeSue, and he has the ball in his hands for – Maybe less than its second. And Damian Baugh, who was amazing last night mm-hmm. with Mike Miles only having one point, gets the steal and scores the layup. So not only did they take away the possession and then the next jump ball you have goes to TCU because you controlled the ball, Dylan Sue, you turn it over and you give just a jump start to the momentum and the, how the vibe was going to go for TCU the whole game. And. The, one of the most disappointing things with these last two games, Chad, we're going to talk about the last three games also. But the last two games, both leading scores for Baylor and TCU combined for one point. Keontae George obviously went out with that ankle injury. Mm-hmm. He leads Baylor in scoring for around 17, 18 points a game. Mike Miles went 0 for 8. Texas held him 0 for 8. And if you would have told me last night, yeah. yesterday, we're going to hold – Mike Miles 0 for 8. He ain't going to get a field goal all game long. Should we win winning by 20. Yeah. Big 12 championship,
0: here we come. I can't wait to go to the moon. I ain't going on Saturday. I'm chilling at the crib. <laughs> and just like we talked about with the Baylor game, you had the, the line for George and a bunch of turnovers for Baylor. Same thing last night, the line for Miles and 22 turnovers for TCU. These last two games, you forced 43
1: turnovers combined. 43, 21 against Baylor. Wow. And then 22 against TCU. You lose both games. That's insane. Yeah, That's hard to do. That's, that's hard right. to do and lose. But why have they been losing, even though they've been forcing turnovers? They've been getting killed on the boards. Against Texas Tech, they lost the rebounding margin 41-29. to Tech 41, Texas 29. Against Baylor, they lost the rebound margin 37-25. 37 for Baylor. Twenty-five or Texas. Then last night, forty-six to twenty-eight.
0: That's rude, right there. So minus eighteen. Yeah. Ooh.
1: And we talked about you remember Chad when Mark Henry called us before the season ever started, and he said I'm worried about them not having no bigs, mm-hmm. no muscle. And I'm, I told Mark that maybe their athleticism could, you know, make that a, make that not be such a problem with how athletic we know Dylan Mitchell is, Christian Bishop, Dylan Dessou—he's which has looked good as of late, which is depressing because he wasn't that good at the beginning of the season when the horns were clicking. And now him and Tyrese Hunter, both guys, that's ironic, ain't it? Both guys that you kind of wanted to do a little bit more at the beginning of the year, Tyrese Hunter and Dylan DeSue, they're doing that now, and nobody else is giving them that. And
0: now the other guys, yeah. Yeah,
1: so – them getting killed on the boards, that's a problem because you want to have Brock Cunningham in there with his three-point shooting and what he's brought to the table this year, but Brock's still small, and Brock gets called for a bad blockout call every game. Every single game where you think Texas gets a good stop, they get Brock with that, just bad boxing out, get the booty on the hip at the wrong time, and the ref always gets him. The refs weren't the best last night anyway, teeing mm-hmm. up Coach Terry.
0: Yeah, no, they were not.
1: Nah, it's... You know, I didn't like the tech, but, hey, they threw it at them. What you going to do? I know people were asking, oh, there's six people on the court. There's six players on the court. I didn't see that. And if there was six players on the court, that's the ref's fault. You can't penalize TCU for the refs bringing in six guys, like the refs have to see that you have to be locked in as a ref. Sure. Oh, I'm bringing the I'm bringing guys in, and now this isn't like football, and you're getting Aaron Rodgers, where he sees 12 men coming on the field and he throws <laughs> it real quick. <laughs> yeah, this, that, no, this that's isn't not what, that's yeah. not the same in basketball. It's the refs' fault. You get to st- you get to pick when it yes, starts, but yeah. I, that's not why Coach Terry got the uh, tech anyway. But now, again, I've been so adamant about this nine man rotation, and that's because it, it keeps you fresh throughout the year. With how grueling the Big Twelve is, and how much it takes you takes you know takes out of teams, and look at the last two national champions with Baylor and Kansas, those guys were deep. Like those Baylor guys, Adam Flagler, Thamba, Chatua, they still around now. Yeah, as you know, big parts of that team. Same with this Kansas team last year, DeJuan, uh, DeJuan Harris and Jalen uh, uh, Wilson. Those guys are still there. So, and they had so much depth. Like Remy Martin was coming off the bench, and you know, what do you do with Arterio Morris? Like he's barely playing, and he had a huge three last night to make it, I think, fifty-one to forty-six. But then they went on another run. Yeah, like Emmanuel Miller had two huge and one finishes in the second half and i told y'all yesterday i think he's one of the most underrated players in the big 12 he is so tough and physical and long and athletic and if he starts hitting shots from the outside then it, that just makes him that much scarier we know how good tcu is offensive rebounding we saw again 46 to
0: 28 yeah like, you talked about that yesterday and it definitely came through right away you yeah. could see that those offensive boards were going to be big
1: yeah and it's it's you get killed on the boards because they're a small team. The horns are small. Even, you know, last night that last rebound when Mike Miles missed the layup and they end up getting the board. You needed that stop. You're down by 3. You need the stop. You need the ball. But who'd you have in the game? You had Tyrese Hunter, Serge Barry, Rice, Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen and Brock Cunningham. Nobody's over 6-7 that I just named. Nobody Brock might be 6'5 at best. Timmy Allen, 6'5 at best. They might say 6'6. I don't believe that. You know, everybody gets an extra inch when you go look at the depth charts and stuff just right. to make it look good. Hell, I'm 6'5 right now. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just want, because it sounds good. But I, it's, it's worrisome. I'm worried. Yeah. Going into March, you know, I mean, we're here. Not going into March. We are here. Yeah. And you want to be playing your best basketball. And you're not. And Marcus Carr, you know, he has not been playing well. And he's exhausted. Every shot that he misses is short. And Timmy Allen gives you only six last night. That ain't going to cut it. That, that's not going to cut it. Serge Barry Rice, he did his thing. He had a nice finish going into halftime where the Horns had a little bit of momentum. Tyrese Hunter had a finish. You know, and one finish where he got hype, and you're like, okay, like you said, Chad, they're right there. But then Damian Ball would get a tough layup, or Obanin Jr., who has that wind up shot, you know, behind the head, that thing ugly, he hit a huge three. Ain't nobody going out to contest that, Chad. (laughs) That ain't on the scouting report. This is one of the worst three point shooting teams in the nation. So you want Micah Peavy, whose dad's doing sketchy ish down in Duncanville, to shoot those threes. (laughs) You want that. Give me all of that, but he hits two. And that, that goes to the just the deflating things for your team. Like, you know you're trying to stop Mike Miles, and you do that. But Bob goes for 20, uh, what he had 24, yeah. 20 and 10 for Emmanuel Miller. Mm-hmm. Coles had a little stretch where, you know, he hit some tough shots and took it to the hole. And, again, you got to give credit to Jamie Dixon's squad. Like, they're fighting for their seeking lives still. They want to move up. In they seeding with, uh, uh, you know, March Madness in the tournament, and they feel like they lost some games due to Mike Miles being injured. But that also you saw with Mike Miles being injured, guys like Emmanuel Miller and Damian Ball, they're used to, okay, he's not playing well. Well, we were without him for a few games. We're good.
0: Like, they're, we, we, they're used we, we're used to dealing yeah, with no it. They look like that. Yeah. They looked like there wasn't going to be much that could phase them last night. The good start. The You mentioned the threes going down early. Crowd was into it. They were physical. They were on the boards. And I just remember thinking, oh, Lord, this is exactly what Jamie Dixon wants. Yeah. This is exactly what he's thinking of when he thinks of, I want my team to do these things. They were checking those boxes in the first few minutes. I do give Texas credit. To, uh, for making that thing close. Because what was it at its worst? 17? 16. 16? Yeah. Yeah, 16. At that moment, I'm thinking, oh, goodness. But then they get it to, what, 10 at the half, right? You get it in a reasonable. And then with, I mean, it goes down to, what, six with five minutes to go? I mean, even though Texas had been sluggish and, and didn't feel like it had that fire, one of the TV announcers saying Texas needs to wake up the first two or three minutes of the game. Yeah. But then you got towards the end of it, and again, it's back to when, you know, when Sark talks about complementary football, I don't know if that's how basketball coaches talk about it, but it's just linking those things together. Sometimes coaches will say, let's put stops together, but it's just linking the chain stuff together. It's let that, let your bucket then create a good defensive possession, which creates the next bucket. Texas just couldn't get that second thing to happen. They'd have one, and then TCU would do the next two or three good things.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the defense is decent. I mean, 62% shooting in the first half, that's not good. I think Baylor in the second half, they shot over 60% also. So you don't like that. But you're forcing turnovers, obviously. Right. Over 20 in the last two games. But just the aggression that Baylor put on you, they went to the line so many times and – Again, not this Texas squad, they're starting to become really fatigued. Like this Big 12, it's brutal. Dylan Mitchell ain't giving you not nothing. Like old trick daddy said, you know, no, no, He ain't giving you nothing, know, nothing, nothing. <laughs> not a damn thing. That's a rough And 10 it's minutes, brutal. Yeah. Like I, I feel so bad for Dylan Mitchell because i you saw the tip dunk and you go, yes. Like I kind of jumped out my seat when he had that tip dunk. Mm-hmm. Like we need something from him like you need something from him
0: the other thing you've talked about zay and this isn't for a while now you've talked about uh jabari rice being a guy that probably will enjoy facing a non big 12 team oh, he coming can't up wait. because of everybody's got it on the you know the shot fake and everybody sees it on the uh you know the scouting reports and stuff but this it will be interesting to see what happens when this team gets to the tournament too get out of that big all the big 12 teams when you get out of this slog that you got to go through each and every night with all these Coaches that can coach their ass off and tough teams. What will it look like when they get a chance to take a breath and face somebody else for forty minutes? But we're a long way a ways away from that. I, I understand why you and other Texas fans would be a little concerned because it just they don't feel like it's coming together in March. Something needs to start, you know, polishing up here. And what we saw last night was pretty rough.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at Iowa State. They've lost so many games as of late, which Caleb Grill, that's one thing I am happy about, him getting kicked off the team. That's a beautiful thing. You did smile when oh, I said that yeah, today. yeah, that's a don't beautiful know why thing. I you
0: smiled when I said Caleb Grill got kicked off that basketball
1: team. Dirty son of a B. <laughs> He had it coming, Chad. You knew he had it coming. Oh, wait—is
0: that the guy that? Oh, is that to the To be one? honest,
1: to be honest, we could blame him oh. for the lack of production we're seeing in Dylan Mitchell. Who knows? I see. Like okay. he could have CTE from that fall that he took. He could be really be shook.
0: He was that guy because
1: he has not played well since. Yeah. I, I mean, so Caleb grew. I'm I'm cool with that. That definitely puts a smile on my face. But Iowa State. They look horrible right now. Like they're limping, like bad limp, like pimp walk limp into <laughs> towards the tournament. Into the tournament. Yeah. So, the think about like this, Chad, with how good Texas has been at home this year, their away record, like all these losses have come on the road. Besides the loss to Kansas State, they haven't lost at home. So, you could argue if we were still at the Irwin Center this team might be on the bubble because we know what the attendance was there. Like the Moody center and the corral has been so huge this year for the horn success. All those comeback wins and stuff, you know, Texas tech and TCU the first time, which that's also kind of worrisome because all you've had to come back so many times and that takes so much out of a team. And again, this horn squad, they're so small. So they exert a lot on defense and, The key to beating them is just overpowering them inside, make them draw fouls. The horns foul way too much for my liking. Like, you just way too many dumb fouls from not necessarily being out of position, but just being overmatched. You know, uh, Serge Ibari Rice, he's playing small forward technically at times. He's 6'4". Yes, he has long arms and stuff, but... Jamie Dixon was throwing, like, 6'7", six, 6'5", six, Michael Peavy's six five, six six. Manuel Miller's around 6'7", O'Bannon Jr.'s athletic, Damian Ball. You know, they just had a different aggression and athleticism that is very troublesome for Texas during this time of the season.
0: We'll continue to talk not only about the game, but now how does that affect the Longhorns tournament situation? We'll look at bracketology and all that. As of this morning, Longhorns, I believe according to Lenardi would still be a two seed, maybe hanging on to that two line. But now Texas is maybe in danger of slipping to a three. Also in the Big 12 tournament, Texas is in danger. Zay. They were at a one-two spot. Now they they may be a 3 or 4 in the Big 12 tournament, which means that first game on Thursday could push to either really early, an 11-30 tip, or push really late to that 8-30 tip so they'd have to go late into the night into the 3-6 game. So we'll keep our eyes on that too, but yeah. last night could affect two kinds of seeding.
1: Texas fans, y'all yeah, remember the last time the Horns were a three seed. Abilene Christian, mm. bounced first round. Shaka Smarts, last game, as a longhorn on the sidelines. Now look at what Shaka's doing, winning the Big East and stuff. Ain't that a B? Mm. You kidding me? That grinds my gears out the ass. But, hey, congrats to Shaka. I'm glad he's doing well. You know, part of me. I'm, I'm glad he's doing well and having success. But just going from number two, number one, to number two, that's why I've been talking about number one all year long and how big that is. Like playing a 16th seed, And a 15th seed. There's such a huge difference. As John Calipari last year at Kentucky, that was a pretty good Kentucky team with Ty Ty Washington. And, you know, they still had Big Man last year that won Naismith Player of the Year. Like, they had a good squad first round out just like that. So, again, with the Horns being the third seed a couple of years ago and being bounced out by Abilene Christian, you don't wanna keep playing the way you're doing because it's, it's it's the madness. We know anything can happen, and all these teams, all these low mid-majors, they win their conference tournament. That's how they get in. So they're hot. They come in hot. They come in on the rhythm. That's why there's upsets. And, you know, teams that limp in, like Iowa State and like how it seems Texas is right now, I've – if I come in when all, whoever Texas plays and I tell y'all I might not have Texas first round, don't be mad at me. I'm just trying to win my bracket, maybe get a TV, win some extra money, you know, maybe take my wife on vacation. Look at it like that. Don't look at it. You know, I know my man Ty Henderson. He don't bet against Texas and stuff. Producing for B&E. Damn that. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. If Texas
1: is going to play like this, I, I, I can't believe in them just because I'm loyal.
0: Yeah. Now we talked about it yesterday when they're away from the Moody Center, and obviously after this Kansas game, they're away from the Moody Center because you don't get to come back home and play tournament games uh, at all. So they've got to figure some things out. Uh, let us know what you think after last night. Seventy-five, seventy-three, but it just didn't feel that close. TCU beating. Texas. We will also talk football today. Uh, We'll get into some of that. We got Jeff Howe coming up at 105 from Horns247.com and, of course, right here from Light to Tower on our staff. Also, today at 2, it is Thursday. It is Album Swap Day. We are talking Only Built for Cuban Links, the Raekwon Album. I listened to it. I've listened to the whole thing and Zay got all the way through Dirty Computer by Janelle Monáe. He'll give you that review at 2:05. We're also talking Combine coming up. Guess who's back at the Combine today? Plus we'll talk about the Longhorns trying to make an impact in Indianapolis. Stay with us. It's the Horn. <laughs> Chad and Zay. Zay, you know how they say, you know how Dave Chappelle said that the electric guitar is a magical sound to white people? Yeah, John Mayer skit, classic. Specifically when this dude plays the electric guitar, we, we and I think all humans that love music do react a little bit. This would be Van Halen, and when Eddie played that guitar, it was different. A little different. Yeah. He's, he's a awesome. legend. Ain't talking about love. This is early Van Halen here. Good stuff. Who's
1: more legendary, Slash or Eddie? Eddie.
0: Eddie? Yeah. You said that quick. In terms of a guitar legend, it's Eddie. And I would hope Slash would, have, would agree to that. When we're, you know, yeah, it's Eddie. Why is that? The longevity of the band and just his influence on other guitar players, it's just greater than what Slash did. Slash is awesome. Slash has got his own unique sound too. Guitar, you get a bunch of guitarists together and ask that question, there's no way they're not telling you it's Eddie. Yeah. Just all the stuff, the the little fingerboard stuff. He kind of invented just like a Stevie or a Jimi Hendrix or whatever. They like invented a new way to play. When you listen to Eruption, the guitar solo, some of the stuff in there, he literally thought up to do that. Nobody else had ever thought to do it. Oh, he was just making up stuff? He was just an, he was like, again, the the closest comparison I could make is Jimmy, because Jimmy was just this alien who did stuff nobody had ever seen, and that's kind of what Eddie was. Right. So yeah, Eddie, I think Eddie would be that bigger impact in the guitar world. Van Halen gets us started. We'll talk music today. Album swap segment is coming at 2 o'clock. I'm talking about a Raekwon album and Zay's talking Janelle Monet. If you don't want to listen to that, I can't help you. I really can't. Uh, if you've missed some of the la- the other conversations, you can go to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash at the horn Austin, thank you to our 760 subscribers. Remember, if you want to make sure you don't miss anything, go subscribe to the YouTube page. We've got things broken down there for you. Shorter videos, and we do have different discussions up, including the ODB and Def Leppard album swap, including uh, the one before that, which would have been Method Man and Guns N' Roses. And then also, uh, if you missed us earlier in the week, talking about Deion Sanders and those Interesting comments on recruiting. Got that broken down for you on uh, the YouTube page. Also check out hornfm.com later on. Uh, you actually can go to our podcast page right now. Uh, we interviewed Antoine Thompson yesterday, the coach at Stony Point, as they get ready for their big matchup, uh, playoff matchup this week. Also the Flex guys and the Wednesday Night Flex Show. They went all huddle on you. So if you are a hippo, you definitely want to check it out. Football coach, your quarterback, and your big time receiver. All were on the show last night, so check all that out. Uh, we talked basketball already. Texas falls to TCU. Lots of texts coming in, and before we get to the NFL, um, Zay, I'll just try to pare it down. But there have been texts coming in today asking about Texas and coaching going into this next stretch. And I watched the game last night, and I'm in the Big Twelve. I'm always going to have those thoughts. There are badass coaches in this league. The question I think maybe for some Texas fans is what they're seeing little moments here and there is Rodney Terry dialing it up the way it needs to be dialed up in March. How are you looking at things right now in terms of coach Terry? Yeah, he's definitely having to figure things out. You know,
1: I'm, he's faced some really good coaches as of late and Scott Drew definitely got them, which it's Scott Drew. He's yep. one of the best and I don't, no necessarily last night he got out coached. I think they were just so much more physical. Like Christian Bishop, he didn't do nothing for you. But I would have liked to see, you know, sometimes you could take Timmy Allen out the game. He doesn't have to finish games for you. You know, especially with what he's giving you out on the court. Like six points and then, you know, I know he was up in double digits against Baylor, but those were all like trash buckets towards the end of the game where we knew Baylor by the six-minute mark in the second half, you knew Baylor was going to win the game. And then Timmy Hallen, he had all his buckets then. So if you're struggling on the boards, get Dylan DeSue back in the game. Even, like, if Dylan Mitchell, maybe get him back in the game at just key spots. You just got to play chess out there and different scenarios. Maybe call a timeout to make those substitutions. Or I, I – I, <laughs> there's so much that you can look at, yeah. you know, but at the end of the day, they're just not playing well. Marcus Carr, he's been your leading scorer all year, and he hasn't been good offensively. Yeah, and there's been so much, you know, Tyrese Hunter has been trying to give him you know, time off the ball and try to create. But still, Tyrese Hunter, you know, it's not like he's giving you 25. It's not like he's giving right. you 20. He's just giving you around 12 when he plays well, 15. Plus he has
0: to worry about his defense. So I, it's tough. It's, it's tough. tough. That's a tough question. So yesterday when we talked to Coach Thompson, just to kind of bring a couple stories together, Coach Thompson at Stony Point, I asked him, what happened to create the run? In their second and third quarter, they essentially took it from Butta Johnson. And he said, Well, he was frank with us. He said, Yeah, I really I got on him. I got on him. There were some words said, harsh words were said. And some of the text coming in today is about how Longhorn fans, certain fans how they think Chris Beard would have handled it right. versus how Rodney Terry is handling sure. it. So it's one of the it's an interesting thing, like for me, if I'm in any kind of leadership situation, I'm not a yeller and a screamer. But the question is, does this situation call for yelling and screaming that Rodney Terry's not providing? That's kind of what some fans are wondering right now.
1: Yeah, and I would say to that, it depends on the player. Every player is different. Every player reacts different. Some players, you could jump their bones and straight up cuss them out, and they're going to respond. Like I have heard Jason Tatum talk about his Duke days. Coach K used to straight up tell him, Oh, you're just a soft ass Saint Louis boy. And that would trigger Jason Tatum. That got him. That got him. That would be like, Oh, you brought my hometown that I'm so prideful. Like he knew wow. how prideful of Saint Louis Jason okay. Tatum was. Yeah. And it didn't necessarily like call him out his name or you know say Yo, are you playing like a little b? Didn't say nothing like that. He right, said, nothing too rude. Yeah, but you're a soft ass Saint Louis. That was the main thing. Soft ass Saint Louis. Oh boy, mm. like nah man, I'm one of the toughest to come out the loo. <laughs> like it's it's me, the the, it's me, Nelly and Bradley Beal dog. That's it. <laughs> But that's it. Like I like that you put Nelly above Bradley Beal. I like that one. <laughs> you know I'm what I'm saying? Thing. Like you got to throw Nelly in what he yeah. did for sure. Sure, sure. So you have Rodney Terry has to do things like that because we remember Chris Beard. He tried that jumping bones approach, and Trey Mitchell transferred like the next day. Right,
0: and that's the other side of it that, I, that I'm glad you brought that up too. Because like me in the t- if I was a badass player. In any sport, I don't respond well to that. Yeah. You you get in my face and start screaming and yelling, I'm going to freeze. Right. I'm not – you can call that whatever you want, soft or cupcake or this age, kid, whatever. I'm just not – that's not how I was raised. Right. So it freaks me out. Uh, but so, yeah, it's that, it's that balancing. But I get why – especially road game, crazy environment. Is there a moment where you need to stop everything – and just you or somebody needs to get on your team. Yeah, when you see, because I saw Bill
1: Self go crazy against Tech the other night. He was mad because Kansas, they went on like a 10-minute drought. And they weren't scoring. I forgot who he we went off on. But, it, again, it's who you go off on. He knew right? he could yell at probably Jalen Wilson, the senior 22 years old. And everyone
0: else would react the way. And everybody right else would be like,
1: oh, man, he's yelling at Jalen, right. our best player, like that. It's for real. Right. And Jalen's going to be like, okay, because he's a leader. I got you, coach. I'm right there. You know, it just depends. And Coach Terry, coming from an assistant job, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't doing that before. So you don't want to be fake. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you were an assistant coach and you weren't jumping people's bones as an assistant and now you're a head coach, you still got to balance that. And that's what Coach Terry, he is struggling with that. He is. Yeah. Like, uh, He's struggling with trying to find that from jumping at the refs, like jumping their bones, to his players, to what he says to his assistant coaches. Because, again, he was just in their shoes as an assistant. Right. Yeah. So now he has to talk to them differently and he has to expect you know, more out of them. Yeah. But he has to approach them in a different way. Like, hey, coach, we were kind of on the same level having, you know, these same conversations at one point. Now you're Uh talking to me crazy. And I think, you know, this coaching staff with all their experience, I don't think it is that. But, yeah, each player is different. Each coach is different. And, yeah, I ever Horns fans, they have a right to think that way yeah. about Coach Terry right now.
0: One of the fans texted, uh, interesting thought here. The players at Texas came here for Coach Beard. They wanted that coaching approach.
1: Uh, I'm not, no, come on. This is the University of Texas. They ain't coming for Coach Beard. Not just for, but. I, I literally just said, it's awesome, Texas. I might
0: not ever leave. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like the,
1: the city is something serious. Not that like, it's the
0: only thing, yeah. but maybe it's, maybe it's part of it for some of the players. I don't know. If that was the case, Jalen Tyson would have stayed
1: because he came yeah. for Coach Beard. That's yeah. what he was. He was literally doing that, and he realized,
0: hmm. Oh, you're right. It's the balancing out of all that of all that stuff. They've got to they got obviously work on that as that as it moves forward. Uh, Longhorns just did not have it last night against TCU. Made it close, but ultimately didn't get the win. We've hit that. We got combine day one today in Indianapolis, and no matter what you think of this Jalen Carter story. He is in Indianapolis today. He, oh, he, got, he got booked last night at 1130. He got released. Uh, they, they, they made bond or made bail, whatever it is. And then he got released at about midnight last night, Georgia time. And he is back in Indianapolis today. Uh, he also released a statement that said, uh, This morning I received a telephone call from the Athens, Georgia Police Department informing me that two misdemeanor warrants have been issued against me for reckless driving and racing. Numerous media reports also have circulated this morning containing inaccurate information concerning the tragic events of January 15th, 2023. It is my intention to return to Athens to answer the misdemeanor charges against me and to make certain that the complete and accurate truth is presented. There is no question in my mind that when all of the facts are known, that I will be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. And again, he is in Indianapolis today, Zay, to essentially answer that question over and over and over 32 times. Uh, I was asking you earlier today, do I just hand everybody a statement? Am I going to have to reset this story for every single NFL team today? Maybe he is.
1: Yeah, and who knows what his camp is telling them to say and what he's
0: allowed to say. Um yeah, if it it's an active case, is he right could he possibly go to all these teams and say, look, I can't go specifics? Right. I mean, I don't think he can do that. I don't think so either. But this affects the whole draft. Yeah. This infects the entire
1: draft. Like a lot of teams thoughts were, Oh man, how can you miss out on this guy? And now you gotta worry about him off the field and his decision making. And we know how critical These teams get all 32 teams slash GMs at these combines and the questions that they ask. We just played the Emmanuel Acho clip when we were talking about Deion Sanders and the things that he was asked. So who Mm -hmm. knows what they're going to say to Jalen Carter? Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) Like, who
1: knows? Like, hey, man, like, do you have, do you have like those, you know, everybody like when you hear people say, I need it for the rush. Like, I need it for the thrill. Yeah. Like Is he one of those guys that just has to have a crazy, just fast-paced life that some of us just can't relate to?
0: And if he, if he is, he's not going to be the first one because we've had athletes through the years. They have to put it in their contracts. You can't ride motorcycles. You can't go surfing. Yeah, Jay Williams. You can't the Jay Williams thing, right? And that was in his contract. That was in his contract. And they still took care of him. And he went to Duke. Yeah. They still took care of him too. I thought that was that's what that's a big moment because they didn't have to do what they did there. But I remember, you know, we've had baseball players that couldn't surf. They loved to surf, and eventually that next baseball team had to say, All right, man, you can't we can't have you on the board during the season. Maybe they'll let you do it in the off season, but not during surfing the season. Surfing that dangerous Things or are we like thinking that? about sharks and stuff? Um I think it's Maybe a little – I don't know if it's just about the shark part of it. It's just about the inherent danger I, you know, when you get I, out there with big waves. Yo, I'm not going to front. I took surfing lessons
1: back in back in the day in my teenage days when we were up in Cancun and stuff on a cruise. And I went underwater, Chad, and that heavy-ass board because it's attached to your ankle. It took me tumbling like I yeah. – yo, I thought the light was flashing right in front of me. Like it, it was never again.
0: Yeah, it can be really dangerous. So really I get dangerous. it. I get it. Yeah, it can I get be it. Really dangerous. So, uh, yeah, so he's going to face the music today. Jalen Carter will be a big part of the, the the discussion. But of course, there are three longhorns there today for D line and linebacker drills. And I'm looking at a list uh, from NFL.com of the linebackers that are showing up. And I'm seeing overshone as the ninth best linebacker uh, of the group. They're calling Drew Sanders of Arkansas number one, Trenton Simpson of Clemson number two. If you are familiar with Henry To'o from Alabama he's in the group uh so you got names like that that'll be working at D winners of L- uh, LSU of TCU yeah yeah the
1: really good season if y'all
0: remember that name he will be a part of it today just to give you an idea some of the guys you're going to see working out it is at two o'clock today when they get started and I will uh I'm not ashamed to tell you my DVR is set to record it I love watching this stuff say I do I get hooked on it I'll watch it I'll fast forward and rewind and watch 40s and cone drills and whatever they want to show me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I dig it. I mean, I know there's some people that are against the combine, but I I absolutely love it. It's fun to see these guys get out there and showcase their talent and compare themselves to others. And, you know, it's fun to see down the line guys that – Maybe don't do as well as you think, and they end up having Hall of Fame type careers. And then you see guys that go crazy at the combine, and they end up being bust. Like it's just so hard to be a GM in all the professional sports, especially the NFL, to try to find that you know seven round mystery irrelevant type of guy, or make sure your guy's not a bust. Each pick is so important, and it all starts at the combine.
0: All right, coming up, uh, one of our listeners is taking a little shot at Jalen Carter, I will tell them that they're just taking the wrong shot at Jalen Carter. We'll get into the crap bag as well, where I am ashamed at how excited I am for a sporting event this weekend. I'll tell you what it is on the horn. Chad and Zay. Nothing against any woman that has ever served me in a diner. But none of them look like Donna Summer. <laughs> I can't hear this song without thinking of that video. She works hard for the money. Donna Summer, this is what, eighty three, eighty four, Something like that? Something like that, yeah. Oh, Donna Summer. In her day, say, she ran, she ran the show for a while. She was awesome. Donna Summer and Van Halen getting us started today were you into donna were you raised on donna summer a oh bit? yeah yeah uh-huh big time voice big time voice and one of those few folks i'm not a disco guy by nature donna can make me like disco that last dance stuff and things when she push towards that What i'm fine with it yeah she could make me believe it
1: yeah that's probably a hall of famer when it comes to skating ring music
0: oh absolutely yeah because you can't there's certain songs of hers you gotta have. Yeah. This is definitely one of those. This is a big time, big time hit. Great groove, great groove. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, we'll talk music in that 2 o'clock hour segment. The album swap today should get interesting. Folks around the office want to know what I think of Only Built for Cuban Links by Raekwon and my daughter and another couple folks at the office. And I'm really interested in what Zay thinks of the Janelle Monet album. I've only listened to the first track. And then I want you to tell me if I need to listen to the rest of it today. A Janelle Monae's album? Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, We're going to talk about that at 2 o'clock today. Uh, Let's get into the crap bag. We'll start with a listener comment on the Jalen Carter thing, and I think they're just ripping on the wrong thing.
1: Chad's Crap Bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just think of a bag of crap.
0: All right. Uh, It is brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. Somebody texted as we were reading the statement from Jalen Carter. What a nice press release from Jalen Carter's agent and lawyers. I would disagree. That's not why you rip him. You rip him because every single letter is capitalized. There's... (laughs) No way he let his lawyers and agents read through that because I think they might have recommended he not do that. That's just a general PSA from me at 48 years old. And this isn't old to young. This is old to everyone that's gotten addicted to this practice, including my parents, specifically my mother, who's 77 years old now. We have got to calm down with all the exclamation points, and we've got to calm down with the capital letters. Please. Please. You need to know that that's screaming at people, Jalen Carter, every weather's capital, every one of them explore the lowercase now I don't want them all lowercase eh that's one of my pet peeves about music nowadays. Stop it with every song being lowercase on the when you on the list, or God help us, the ones that go lowercase and space it all together and just put it all in one blob. Oh, it's so cool, it's my art form, man. <laughs> The album, the the song title's not that important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Use capital letters and use spaces. What the hell are you doing? Yo. (laughs) Come on.
1: That's funny that you say that. If Jalen Carter gets up to the podium today and says, All right! I'm not. I'm only answering football questions. You owe him an apology. Then
0: we'll know. That's then just we'll the, not, way, he just the
1: way, that way he talks. Yeah, he's just a loud speaker. What is your name? Jalen Carter,
0: yeah. Georgia. Yeah, so Jalen Carter is at the combine today. He is answering all of those questions. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention in the crap bag today, for all you UFC fans, you probably already know this, but John Jones is back this weekend, and he's one of those guilty pleasure guys for me. I am so ashamed at how much I love John Jones. He's he still on the juice? He is. Well, at this point, see, that's a.
1: How, how many times has he been on the juice?
0: That's a fair question. How many times
1: has he gotten caught on. The
0: stuff. Technically, I think the answer to that is he got the no contest against Cormier for drugs once, but then there was a I think twice is the answer to that Yo, question.
1: Jose Conseco somewhere saying, ah, Bobby.
0: It caught co- Yeah, it cost him his <laughs> belt once. He's got the story. We were talking about Jalen Carter, and did he possibly leave the scene? John had that leaving the scene of an accident that involved a pregnant woman. And Jeez. there's just with John but he seems to get the benefit of the doubt he seems to get forgiven by Dana White and UFC and just when I try to get feel like I'm upset at them for it then I ask myself well aren't you excited to watch him fight Chad yeah I am now do I think he should be fighting for the heavyweight belt no damn he's never fought as a heavyweight let me make sure we're clear on this. John Jones fought his whole career at 205, light heavyweight, and he may be the greatest, not maybe, he, he is the greatest MMA fighter I have ever seen, and he dominated, and he's got the most consecutive defenses, I think, in their history. He won 10 or 11 defenses in a row. So then he have a thing with Cormier? What's his name? He had a thing with Daniel Cormier. Yeah, Daniel Cormier, what? Oh boy, Husky, how is he not heavyweight? They would fight at, no, no, Daniel, yeah, Daniel Daniel came down to 205 for those fights. yo. I don't think they ever fought at heavyweight. That's the huskiest
1: 205
0: I've ever seen in my life. Daniel's a big, he was a big 205, no doubt. And then Daniel went and ultimately won the heavyweight belt and was a champ champ at one one point. okay. But when it was all, if you're just talking fight for fight, John was always better than Daniel and... Um, you know, ultimately he ended up being better, but then it was all those little issues around him that was so crazy. Stripped the belt for this reason, vacated the belt last time he won the light heavyweight, and they had contract disputes and everything. But he's fighting Cyril Ghosn for the heavyweight belt, Kind of tells you about the heavyweight division, but I'm in Saturday night. (laughs) I am. 9 o'clock, ESPN Plus. Prelims are at 7. Other names you might know. Cody Garbrandt is on the prelim card. Derek Brunson's on the prelim card. And if you love a dominant female fighter, Valentina Shevchenko might be just about the best they've got right now. Nunez is in that was in that discussion and some others. Valentina Shevchenko is awesome. She's defending. <laughs> she is defending her belt as well. At uh, that one makes me feel a little bit better because she feels a little more legit right now than uh, kind of where John is. But Shevchenko is defending her 125 belt as well.
1: Yo, that I'm in. That's basically you saying, you know, I know I shouldn't love this but I do so much.
0: I know. That's why I, that's why I let in with I'm just I'm I'm ashamed to tell you how much I love it. I am. I can see myself the last time John fought Daniel Cormier. And understand Daniel Cormier is for all accounts a fantastic human being. Fantastic, yeah. right?
1: Great analyst, commentator too.
0: Yeah, oh, he's he's wonderful. The last time they fought, I was in a sports bar somewhere in the Houston area with my brother-in-law and a group of guys and I'm screaming like a madman at that for John. I was all, get him John, get him John, tear him up John. I you know yelling rude things about Cormier, I'm oh, sure. Damn. I am a John Jones mark. It's just kind of who I am. I remember watching him right as he was making the run towards the title and just the most dominant fighter I have seen, so I want to know now what he looks like at heavyweight, and remember there's a range at heavyweight, he can weigh 206, he could also weigh 265, and he can weigh anything in between, that's the range of heavyweight at UFC, you can be anything in there, walk in 220, not walk in, weigh in, you can weigh in at 220, 245, 265, you just can't weigh 266, Yeah, that's it. And I don't think they let you weigh 204 or 205. I think you have to get to that 206 mark. I think that's the range. Uh, But that will be Saturday night. There you go. Uh, Also, uh, do you see this Joe Montana jersey story for people that are into auctions and crap like that? Uh-uh. Montana, the jersey he wore in Super Bowl nineteen to beat Marino, and in Super Bowl twenty three the comeback against the Bengals, it sold at auction for $1.212 million. One jersey. So
1: does Joe get any of that paper?
0: I think ultimately, yeah, he I guess it's well, he, he has
1: to, right? No way.
0: I'm assuming he does. There's a lot of his stuff that just went up for auction. I'm assuming right. on some level he gets a lot of that. They got Notre Dame stuff, Niners stuff, um and this breaks the record. Uh, there was a Brady jersey that had sold for a whole lot. Yeah. Not 1.2. <laughs> hey,
1: cuz if they ain't paying Joe, he going to hit up, yo, OJ. I got a job for you.
0: Come on, man. <laughs> He's not calling OJ. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> calling. Oja. How'd
1: you get that jersey back?
0: Nobody's calling. <laughs> How'd you get the jersey back? I was on the juice. That's all I'm going to say. I was on the juice. There's a crap bag for you. Uh, Coming up, it is your 1 o'clock hour. Jeff Howe, uh, Horns247.com, is going to come in. Hang with us. We'll talk Longhorn stuff, his thoughts on the Longhorns at the Combine, and maybe this Jalen Carter story as well, plus his thoughts on what Texas looked like last night against TCU. Rough loss. Can't get a part of that conference title now. Where will they end up? We'll talk to Jeff about it next on the Horn.